Mum Talk Series 5 is supported by Bugaboo. 20 years ago, Bugaboo started a stroller revolution, changing the game with innovative products that had at their heart the desire to make parents' lives easier. Bugaboo continued to invent, develop, test and manufacture truly revolutionary products. Made to use every day, designed to last a lifetime, there's a Bugaboo pram, pushchair or stroller to suit every family's needs. Bugaboo know that it's not always easy, but that it's always worth it. They get that you are a parent and a person, and with their extraordinary products, you've got this. Visit bugaboo.com forward slash mumtalk. Hello and welcome to Mum Talk Series 5, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, who was born in September 2018. On this podcast, I share my journey of literally having no idea what I am doing, from pregnancy to life now with a baby. Through the podcast, I am joined by not only incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. You can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Maybe you have a cup of tea with your feet up or perhaps your jogging shoes on and you're off for a stroll. Whatever and wherever you may be, thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk, Series 5, Episode 4, and I am honoured to bring today's conversation to your ears. Today I am sharing the story of Scott and Karis, who are parents to a beautiful little girl. Scott lost his sight 12 years ago, so Scott is parenting with no vision. I had the honour of meeting both of them at the Bugaboo Ant launch when I hosted a live panel conversation and also we chat through social media and we actually met on social media. So it was wonderful to be able to persuade them to come and join me on Mum Talk and share their story. I hope you find today's conversation as mind-blowing, informative and empowering as I do. So, um, Scott, do you want to tell us when you lost your sight and if you're happy to share how you lost your sight and, well, an absolutely life-changing moment in your journey? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I lost my vision at 22, so I just just finished university. I studied physio at uni and had come out of uni, um, went and did a ski season and then... um, was visiting a friend of mine at oh, Cardiff University and yeah, I was on a night out and woke up three months later in intensive care in um, in Cardiff Hospital and yeah, I couldn't see. I wasn't able to sit up. I, um, you know, lost all kind of muscle tone. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't able to talk at the time either. So yeah, it was a pretty, <laughs> it was a big, a big life change in what felt like overnight, but was actually three months. So what what caused the sight loss and and the muscle loss and not being able to speak? And So the, the sight loss was caused by a stroke that I basically had in the area of my brain that controls the vision. So I had a very isolated stroke to the, the visual cortex where the vision is controlled. But the uh, muscle loss and 
speech loss and stuff were as a result of being on a ventilator for three months um, and kind of muscle wasting. So if you if you literally don't move for three months, then you lose kind of all muscle tone and all function. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of what I was facing when I came round um, after my stroke. Wow, wow, and just literally just happened one evening, no warning sign, no nothing. Yeah, no, I was quite young. I'd like to think myself as fairly fit and active. Some of my friends may disagree with that, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, just one night, just just kind of happened, and then yeah, found myself in in kind of an intensive care bed three months later, really. Oh my goodness. And so when did you meet your incredible wife? So we met in 2015. So my my stroke happened in 2007. Um, I moved down to London in 2012. And then, yeah, we met in 2016. How did you meet? So we met online, actually. Oh, um, I love yeah, it. Yeah, modern story. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, we met, on, <laughs> we met online. Went out for a for a date and that was it. I was I was sold. So um, no. yeah, that was like kind of a very a modern modern love story, really. Um, so yeah, we we met in the March um, and we ended up getting married fairly soon afterwards. And then yeah, I guess yeah. a year a year and a half later, then leg was born. Um, and then, yeah, here we are now. Incredible. So we're, we're actually coming up for our three-year wedding anniversary. Oh, when did you get married? Uh, 27th of August. Oh, wow. So well, literally just around the corner. I know you're the corner. random house forgets. <laughs> she's, uh, she's nice to remember. Yeah. Oh, so literally just around the corner, you're going to do something nice. Well, we're going away for the weekend, so... Lovely. Yeah, a nice long weekend away. It's good in that our wedding anniversary always falls on bank holiday weekends, where we since realised everything is also much more costly on the bank holiday weekend as well. Yes. Um, but yes, no, we're going to go and have a nice weekend by the sea. Oh, lovely, lovely. Our wedding anniversary is on the 19th of September, so a little bit later in the year, and I'm trying to persuade Hendrik to do something nice. <laughs> <laughs> so back in 2007, when you lost your vision, there must mm. have been some huge... Oh, well, obviously, huge changes that you had to make um, for your personal life and you know your day to day life. But now, jumping right ahead to married life and having a nine month old, um, and especially you know the the newborn days back in the newborn days, how did how just how did it work? How do how do you how do you go about your day to day life being a um, with a newborn? I think for me, it was probably a lot easier than it was for Karis, because obviously in the newborn days, um, you know, kind of with breastfeeding and, and stuff, it, there wasn't a lot I could do apart from as much as I could do to have Karis. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, that was that was probably easier than it, than it maybe is now, really, because now Alec was kind of starting to get a bit more mobile and is getting a bit more vocal and, you know, she's moving around all over the place and bashing me in the face and things like that. So it's um, it's a bit more challenging now probably than it was in the early days. But, yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Um, 
And we kind of discussed um, a lot before Allegra was born how we might try and um, kind of adapt things. We we had a really good um, midwife team who we who we met with before she was born that we um, kind of spoke to them because <clears throat> I, I was very conscious I wouldn't be able to be involved very much in the birth. Um, mm. So we we worked with a really good um, midwife who kind of problem solved with us some of the things that I could do. Um, the the team in the unit that we were at were also really good. We're, we're fairly well aware of the fact that I didn't have vision. Um, and we'd arranged that um, the, the midwife who delivered Allegra was going to, because we didn't know whether she was a boy or a girl, yeah. was going to tell me what sex she was and then I was going to tell Karis. Um, which was was amazing, although we ended up having, I think it was three midwives that we have in the yeah, room. Yeah. And the, the, the other, so the main midwife knew what was going on, the other two weren't so keyed in. And it was all a bit of a confusion. Um, Paris was on quite a lot of pain, <laughs> pain relief at the time. So, yeah, there was um, the, the midwife who was tasked with telling me what the sex was, didn't really understand what was going on. She didn't really know that I was blind um, and stuff. So it was it was all um, looking back on it, it was quite funny. <laughs> it was yeah, maybe a bit stressful at the time, but yeah. So that's kind of what we managed to do. And Karis, how did you feel going through labour and and uh, birthing your newborn? Yeah, I mean, I think Scott's doing himself a great disservice by saying he couldn't really do anything because he did everything, really, that any partner would do. I think he supported me through and obviously all the, the back rubs and the foot rubs and dealing with me swearing at him and telling him to get lost and all of the usual stuff. Um, I, was, I was induced because she was nearly two weeks late, so, um, yeah, it was okay, but it... Um, it, it was a pretty stressful, stressful situation, and I probably didn't handle it as well as I could have. And I think Scott was, as always, the rock. Really, um, he is very strong and, and took great care of me. Um, and yeah, from from that moment, really, we've been a team. I think you have to adapt. We've adapted in our life from from when we met, and you know, through the marriage before Allegra, um, of what we can do and and you know, play to our strengths as every couple does. Um, and obviously, there are some things that Scott can't necessarily do, or, or you know, can't do as well as he would like to, and we we just have to deal with that. And I think that's what we've done with Allegra as well. We've kind of divided up what he can do and what we can do together and what's best that works for us. So tell me a little bit about that. How do you, what kind of things have you changed around the house and how, how does your kind of daily life look essentially? I think it's kind of, it's quite important to say that although this is how we do things, this isn't necessarily how, you know, other people who are blind should necessarily do things or, you know, this is what we've done that works for us. But, you know, we, we've, we've not really adjusted too much in, in the, in the kind of flat, really. We, um, I guess we try and make sure that there's a bit less clutter around than we maybe would have done, uh, if I didn't have vision. Um, you know, things with Allegra, it's, um, you know, just making sure that everything kind of has a has a place, um, and then you know, uh, so things like changing nappies. Uh, we we tried it and it was 
and it's quite difficult in the end and we kind of came to the conclusion that actually it's probably easier for Karis to do something like that but you know I we we use cloth nappies so you know I can sit there and stuff the nappies or you know go and fetch things <laughs> as the leg was getting more wriggly on the change table um you know bar time I you know we all kind of sit there in the, the three of us in the bathroom and you know, we kind of sing songs in the bath and oh. things like that, and then I'm sat there with the towel. So I kind of, she gets um, handed to me so can when I'm in charge of drying her off, and then we carry her through and, yeah, read a, read a story together. I've managed to memorise a few um, few of her books so I can read her some some books, but I because I lost my vision quite late, um, I found it very difficult to learn Braille, so okay. um, I didn't. Um, you know, that would be a bit easier if I could read Braille. You can kind of stick Braille stickers on the books. Um, but because I don't have that option, uh, one of the things I've done is memorised some of her books. And actually, probably because we, we you know, we, we read them fairly frequently, I'm, I've got a reasonably good um, memory for what kind of comes in, in most of her books. So, yeah, it's kind of things like that, really. That's incredible. That's amazing. And Scott, are you recovered from your broken leg yet? <laughs> so, yeah, this is another um, another another tale which has has only made things a lot more difficult. So, yeah, back in March, I um, had a fall and broke my leg quite badly. So, not only was Bob Carris having to deal <clears throat> with um, pushing the leg around, but I was also in a wheelchair as well. So, um, yes, I, I have recovered now and back on my Yay. back on my feet. Um, but yeah, that was certainly an added an added challenge that we certainly could have done with done with Alf. Um, oh, I'm but, so happy yeah. for you. That's brilliant news. So um, yes, it was it, it was it was it was tough. Um, and I think Allegra was wondering what was going on with me being in wheelchair for quite a long time. Actually, when I broke my legs, so she would have been. Six months? No, she was four months. Four she was months. nearly five months. So I think what's been really interesting is watching her actually now. She's obviously so much more alert and knows what's going on. She's kind of, because Scott's only just back on his feet, she's thinking, what's what's going on? Yeah. He's very tall for a start because um, she wasn't really aware before he before he broke his legs. So she's kind of looking at him going, oh, this is, this is interesting. He's very tall and he's got this cane. I wonder what that's all about. She's fascinated by the cane. She loves watching that kind of switching back and forth. I bet. Um, Gosh, isn't that interesting? It's, it is very interesting what they pick up, isn't it, on so quickly as well. Yeah. So <laughs> as you kind of move forward um, on your journey as parents, do you, do, do you think Allegra knows that you don't have vision or do you think, how, how do you see that unfolding? It's really interesting. Um, so I certainly at the moment I, I don't think she... I don't think she has any awareness that I've got that I haven't got any vision. Yeah. But actually, the kind of looking forward, I, I think I struggle more with the prospect of not being able to do certain things that I want to be able to do, um, rather than you know what Karis is necessarily feels like the future is, or probably how Allegra will perceive things as well. You know, for me, it's it's kind of those things like. Um, you know, being able to, to read, you know, like books together with her and things like that, you know, is is going to be more of a difficult thing. Or, you know, going for a walk into the park and stuff. 
just the two of us, you know, we need to kind of work on how those kind of things are going to work. Mm. Um, and, and, yeah, just trying to work out some solutions to those kind of things. But, you know, they all do have solutions. It's just going to be a case of us going into it and seeing what works for us at the time. Really. And do you both feel like you've had the support that you've needed through um, your pregnancy, Karis, and also through... Um, the newborn stage and now going going into the do, do you get any support yeah I think I mean I sort of meeting with um, we had a meeting with a consultant midwife at the hospital which really helped with the kind of birth planning aspect um, and also the midwife team they gave us the care where they came not just for the first however many days they normally come but they came for the first kind of 20 days and actually we were kept in hospital for extra days just to get a bit of extra support at the beginning not because the library needed it um, we could have gone home quite soon, but we stayed in to kind of find our feet a little bit, um, which was really, really helpful. Um, and, yeah, no, I think we, we have. Um, it, everyone's been very, yeah, geared up towards making sure that we are okay and that we're, you know, getting the support that we need. And we're really lucky. We've got a really nice group of um, kind of NCT, well, it wasn't NCT, but, you know, kind of uh, a baby group yeah. that we went to before Oleg was born we we stayed fairly close and, and particularly the the months have stayed really close so um they have quite you know regular meetups and stuff and and actually the the kind of dads of we've got like a whatsapp group and things like that and and kind of watching what goes on in there is really there's there isn't much that's different that's going on with them than, than what's going on with us to be honest with you so, um and, and yeah, we're you know they're really supportive and they've been really helpful with um, things and yeah, especially when you break your legs yeah. up, there was a lot of a, a good network good of friends work. around. Yeah, definitely. My goodness, I'm just I'm literally sitting here with I think my mouth open, like my jaw dropping to the floor the whole conversation because you guys are just so incredibly strong. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to sit here and say that it's been easy because um, mm. it, it certainly it hasn't been. But I, you know, I think we're we're very lucky in that our our relationship is is quite a strong one, and and actually we try and take a fairly pragmatic approach to the challenges that we're that we're faced with. Um, you know, we we both got really good, um, and we're we're lucky to have really supportive families around us as well. He'd been amazing, you know, just with kind of verbal support, but also, you know, getting a bit more involved with things as well um, if we needed it and things like that. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely not me or Karis or, you know, there's a, there's a bigger network of people that have kind of made it, um, certainly made it a lot easier for us to deal with. And I, yeah, sorry. I, was just, I think we just take each day. I mean, it's such a cliche, but take each day as it comes. In the sense that anyone with a baby knows that everything changes day on day. You you get into a pattern, you get into a routine, and the next week they're doing something completely different. So you know, we we adapt to what we need to for the time, and then when Allegra changes, we change um, as best as we can. And that there are definitely going to be big challenges ahead. Um, I think we're both very aware of that, but we hope that we'll be able to continue to to kind of grow with her um, as she changes and as she realises a bit more as well and she'll become more aware of it. 
Bugaboo have launched your greatest travel companion, the brand new Bugaboo Ant Compact Travel Stroller, and it launches nationwide this month. Great things really do come in small packages, and traveling with your child has never been easier. It is so compact that it easily fits into the overhead compartment of a train, numerous airline plane cabins, or into the boot of even the smallest car, all with a striking new bugaboo look and of course their usual attention to design and functionality. The Bugaboo Ant has integrated all-wheel suspension, which really does provide a super smooth ride, a reversible and reclining seat that supports the whole weight of your child, while the nimble handling means you can push and steer with one hand. So easy. So small, but mighty. I particularly love the storage space while folded and using the trolley mode feature wheeling through airports and stations. So visit bugaboo.com forward slash mumtalk to learn more and choose the pram, pushchair, stroller, car seat or accessory to suit your lifestyle. Scott, your um, senses, must you must rely on your other senses, your touch, your smell, um, hugely. I bet you can smell a pooey nappy a mile off. So, actually, poo nappies the one thing. I I think I must be immune to poo nappies because Karis will often, like, hand me a leg and say, cool, can you smell that? And I'm like, no, I can't. No maybe, that's my, maybe that's my male ignorance. It's so funny. I, honestly, sometimes I'm like, that is, I can smell it across the room and he can't smell it. So I don't know what's happened there, but he somehow avoided the, um, the smell. The smell gene. Oh, but certainly nice. with other things, you know, um, kind of using my my hearing a lot more. Um, I'm kind of n- normally reasonably aware of like where Allegra is or what she's doing, and you know, you can kind of pick up things about whether she's on her front or on her back just by the, the kind of noises that she's making. And those kind of things are becoming easier as she's getting older, as she's making more noise and you know, kind of um, interacting with us a bit more as well. And there are some things we can look into for the future. We know some other um, visually impaired parents who maybe put bells on. You can get these special bells that the baby can wear as they're moving around more so that, you know, she'll be definitely, (laughs) will know where she is. (laughs) I was was just going to say back to the um, pooey nappy smell. There there were a few occasions in the early days when I would come in and discover that um, Allegra had had a kind of poonami situation and it was all over Scott and her and um, (laughs) he he just didn't know because he couldn't see it or apparently smell it. Um, (laughs) And a few times where she was sick as well and it was kind of There's been quite a few times where she's been sick all over both of us and I've not realised and we, you know, we're both sat there blissed and the couch, um, I suppose, as well. I mean, when when uh, Legra was born, did you find that you were just trying to touch her face and her little arms and fingers and toes? Yeah, I'm. I'm really quite tactile with her, and and I'll, um, yeah, particularly, yeah, her. I, I find myself, so I, I normally come in from work and we'll, we'll, I'll sit with her for a, for a while, um, you know, kind of before we have supper and things like that. And I'll just sit there with her on my lap and I just, I find myself just like rubbing, rubbing my, like my cheek on the head or, you know, something like that, just to kind of, 
take on the smeller and yeah, you know, play with their toes and things like that. And it's, you know, yeah, it, it's amazing thinking back to the the early days and thinking how small she used to be and then how big she is now. Um, you know, she's definitely like flinging her arms and legs around a lot more and yeah, I get whacked in the face a lot more. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, she's she's got quite a few teeth, so um, yeah, she she likes testing those on me, so I'll, I'll often be no, sat there with her. Yeah, you can't see it coming. No. I can sometimes dodge it, but um, she she likes to kind of poke Scott in the eye and face and <laughs> bite him and all sorts of things. She's pretty, you know, pretty vicious at the moment. She doesn't mean to be, but, you know, she's a baby. So yeah, he's taking the brunt of that. Yeah, I mean, Hendrik just said literally just now, um, he just said, gosh, Amandine was poking me in the eye and in the mouth and hitting me <laughs> in the face. And he's like, does she do that to you? I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I also find breastfeeding, you kind of, I, I found, like, I thought I had a rash on my tummy, but it was mm. actually where Amandine had been pinching and twisting my skin oh, uh, while she yeah. was breastfeeding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but... I've not had that one. <laughs> <laughs> the things that that Karis and Allegra have been doing is kind of um, is baby sign and things like that, and oh, she started doing some more of the the signs and and things. Which you know, I first of all, when she started doing those, you know, Karis would be getting really excited when she do like sign for milk. I was sitting there kind of feeling a bit glum because I couldn't see it, but actually now I kind of. I'm able to pick up a bit on just her. She, it's not really just a hand gesture; it's more like a whole arm gesture that she does. And um, so I'm able to pick up on that a little bit more when she's doing, you know, kind of those gestures and things as well. So, um, yeah, we're certainly learning kind of some of the non-verbal cues um, a bit more as well. How do you deal with it mentally? Do you? Ha- I guess my question is around mental health side of <laughs> not having vision and having a daughter and, you know, not being able to see her. How do you deal with that mentally? So for me, the emotional side of of my sight loss has always been the most difficult thing to come to terms with. Mm. It hasn't really been necessarily the practical implications but it's always been coming to terms with the fact that you know I'll I'll never see Allegra kind of as she as she grows up and you know see how she changes or um you know there'll be there'll be times where she's you know she'll say oh you know daddy look at this and and I think yeah there'll be a part of me that goes oh I really wish I could but you know I I think it's been what 12 years now since I lost my vision and I think, you know, it'll, it'll never really go away, but I think you just kind of come to terms with things a little bit more. Um, there were coping strategies that I developed over time. Um, and, you know, there were just kind of things that I'll do. Um, you know, me and Karis will certainly try and chat about things or, um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of maybe not always in the moment, but we'll generally always come back to Back to it, if there's been something that's kind of made me feel a bit down, we'll have a bit of a discussion about it. And, and Karis is brilliant at picking me up when I'm, you know, when I'm feeling a bit down about stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's just, 
it's probably one of those things that you know there are there are lots of things that that other that other parents go through, and it's, it's probably just a similar a similar thing to that really. Um, but yeah, it's only it's been one of the more difficult things to cope with, and and I think going forward as well will be one of the more difficult things to cope with, especially as she starts to do more things, um, you know, and and. Things like vetting boyfriends and stuff mm. like that. I'm going to be more than that. No, I'm going to have to. I've got two One younger brothers. Time. Yeah, I've got two younger brothers who, um, yeah, I'm going to have to get them involved in the in in the vetting process and things like that. I think so. Yeah, you know, get the uncles it's, around. It's, it's really is just having those those trusted people around you who are able to kind of <clears throat> are able to kind of bring you. Um, bring you back kind of you know to, to yourself again but actually Allegra is also one of the best people for that because you know I, you know, I could have been having a bad day at work and, and kind of be you know finding things a bit more frustrating at work and actually <clears throat> I'll walk through the door and, and she just treats me like you know like she a like she always treats me or like anyone else so mm. you know just having that that innocence from her is is a wonderful tonic to that you know when you're feeling a bit down as well yeah I bet. and Karis, how about you yeah i mean i think <clears throat> very similar we there are obviously going to be ups and downs and there are there are days where it's more difficult to kind of to see things and, and thinking about the future you do kind of think okay well that's going to be a big challenge how are we going to deal with that mm. but as Scott says we just kind of we do talk things through or or with other families as well we, as you said we've got both got very supportive families as well which help and um we just kind of sound things out and try and try and pick pick each other up as Scott said mm. you know ultimately we're we're learning uh, you know it it, it goes like it does with any learning any new skill or, or anything like that. You know, there are going to be frustrations, there are going to be failures along the way, and there are going to be difficulties along the way, but then there's also going to be lots of successes and, um, you know, kind of and good points along the way as well. So it's really just <laughs> recognising those good points and, and kind of trying to remember those when you're feeling a bit down as well, I think. Absolutely, and if there's anything that can make you laugh and giggle, it's a little baby, isn't it? They are <laughs> just they are, they are very, They're very good at, um, you know, even if you're feeling really kind of cross or mad or sad, they have a wonderful ability to actually just, just bring that little smile out of the corner of your mouth. I think one thing, it's really interesting watching other people's kind of reactions um, and seeing perceptions or, you know, we'll be walking down the street and obviously Scott's blissfully unaware, but sometimes people literally just stop and stare. Um, and really? it's like, okay, it's, it's different, it, you know, it's fine. You, you get used to that. But it's kind of like just, I don't know, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say really. It's just... Maybe being aware that it's not a big deal, it's it's manageable. We, you know, we're just any other family, really. Yeah. One of one of the funniest things I really enjoy is you'll often, and and this happened a lot before we had Lekra as well as you'd be walking along the street and there'll be a young child who sees me walking along and you can hear them say to their parent, you know, 
mummy or tiny, why is that man got a white stick? And you can hear the parents just going, oh, no, why did you have to ask that? You know, they just want the grand to open up and swallow them whole. But I think for me, I would actually, you know, I, I really enjoy that kind of inquisitiveness that, that comes with, I guess, the innocence of youth, really, and, and um, you know, really enjoy the fact that they're answering those questions um, and can be a bit more open. And, and certainly for me, you know, I, I never really have a problem with people kind of asking me questions of, you know, how do I how do I cope with things or, you know, for instance, ask me, how does my phone work and things like that? And I kind of see it as if I can improve people's awareness, then that makes my life a bit easier as well. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's certainly from, from my point of view, and, and this isn't the point of view of all people who are blind or who have a disability, but I certainly um, would encourage kind of people to ask questions and be quite open about um disability say with their kids or you know have have those conversations with their kids quite openly because <clears throat> i think it's something that's been a bit kind of shrouded in in mystery for a long time and um you know has kind of gone a bit unspoken really and, and people don't tend to speak about it um and i think for me i've certainly that's made my life a bit more difficult the fact that there's there's a lot of ignorance on the part of people, you know, they just don't know kind of how things work or, you know, the fact that I've got a job or, you know, that I can <clears throat> negotiate public transport or things like that. Um, so, yeah, really just about that way and it's racing. Absolutely, I think, what, sorry, go on, no, go on, go on. No, no, I was just saying that's what I was trying to say. He said it much better. <laughs> Which is very rare, I can assure you. <laughs> Gosh, you sound like you're just the best team together and that you really work well together. It's so lovely to chat with you both. Um, how does your Instagram work? I think what you're doing with Instagram and trying to raise awareness is so, <coughs> so brilliant. And that's why I'm I'm really honoured to have you on the podcast so we can actually open up the conversation on on um, parenting with a disability, with, with um, not having vision. And how do you interact with Instagram? So my my phone has a screen reader on it. So my phone essentially speaks out all of the different aspects of my phone. So if I, um, so say you would tap an app once and it would open the application. If I tap the app once, it tells me what the application is. And if I tap it again, it will then open it. Um, and something like Instagram, you can kind of scroll through the feed and it will tell you um, what the people have written. So I, I'm probably a very small minority of people who actually really likes Instagram for the text that's written rather than rather than the pictures. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, there's some really Instagram's been quite good with some of the accessibility features that they built in. Um, so lots of people aren't aware, but there's actually um, like an alternative text field that you can provide a description for the picture that you're posting. Um, so, uh, so that a screen reader will read out the description of the, of the picture. So, um, for instance, whenever Karis posts on Instagram, she <laughs> she tends to put, um, like put the alternative text in so that my um, screen reader will tell me what the description of the picture is. Um, and actually, Instagram has done a fairly good job of 
kind of putting in place um, some, I think they use like some some fancy algorithms and stuff to work out what, or to try and work out what's in the picture. So even if people haven't put that text in there, it will generally, generally tell me that, you know, there are two people in this picture. Um, they're both smiling or something like that. Um, but yeah, for, for me, it's really more about the, the text that people put. Um, and I really enjoy stories as well because generally they're a bit more where people are talking or, um, you know, kind of videos and stuff. Um, (coughs) although, you know, I do get, uh, if I'm going through, say, the Instagram stories, there's a lot of time where there's nothing happening because there, you know, there isn't a description or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think for me, I'd maybe use it a bit more as a broadcast platform than a, um, you know, than something that I, that I kind of take in, but that, you know, there are some really good people are posting some really good kind of videos and, and kind of descriptive stories on there, um, you know, which I'll watch. Um, so that's kind of how I use it. I am going to find the alternative text feature and I'm definitely going to start describing it because I think that's, I, I didn't know about it. In fact, I seem to remember you telling me about it um, at the event when I saw you at the Bugaboo event. But I am going to go and find it when I have um, finished with you guys so, and start. Yeah, Paris can probably tell you. Yeah, what I mean, it is. it's oh, in yeah, the it's advanced options when you when you make post its under advanced, and there's just a little box, and it doesn't have to be anything complicated. I think it's worth everyone knowing because yeah, you know, there are a lot of people who are using it, you know, partially sighted or awfully blind, like Scott, who are enjoying Instagram and should you know be able to. So um, it only takes an extra couple of seconds to do it um and another thing that i found out about that i didn't know is if you capitalize the words on hashtags um the screen readers will read them more easily so if you've got a long hashtag that's lots of words it's really difficult for a screen reader to read it right. but if it's got capitals at the beginning of each word then it can read it much more easily oh my goodness it's been so lovely chatting with you guys um i feel like once we finish speaking i'm just going to have like a hundred questions um for you but i think what would be really lovely is when the um when we put the podcast live perhaps um to have a bit of a question box on instagram so if anyone does have any questions from listening and we just Mm -hmm. open up the conversation a little bit for um for you and then maybe that we'll find a way of um getting you to answer them if you're would you be would you be happy to do that yeah, certainly. You know, I, I don't profess to have all the answers, but I can certainly answer things from kind of my my point of view. And yeah, um, you know, I, I also just think you know we've been listening to your podcast since kind of very early days, and it's you probably get this a lot. <laughs> your journey is tracked very closely with ours. It's been really enjoyable to listen to the podcast, um, kind of along our journey, and and kind of. I think because Amelie's a little bit older than Allegra, it kind of gives us a bit of a heads up about what's to come as well. Um, but it's, you know, we'll we'll often sit there, you know, kind of listening to it together. Um, oh, so, yeah, thank you as well. You know, if anyone does have any questions, then I'm, you know, send them along. Yeah, that's it. Not being afraid to ask anything. Mm. I mean, Scott's very open about everything, and, and <clears> I think people are often afraid to ask, or you know, they're not sure what they can say and can't say, and I think. The message will be just, just ask and just, yeah. Yeah, if it's something that I don't want to talk about, then I'll 
than ask somebody say, but I'd rather you, you know, I'd rather the people ask the question than to sit there wondering. Um, and I think that will make our lives easier going forward. As we said, the more aware people are and the more, you know, the more open people are about everything, um, the more understanding there is as well. I cannot thank Scott and Karis enough for coming on to Mum Talk to share your story. If you would like to get in contact with them, head over to Mum Talk Podcast now where there will be a little box waiting for you in my stories where you can ask any questions that you would like around parenting with no sight. Next week on the podcast, you have me and it is a mid-season Q&A and catch up on all things in the life of Amandine and I. I can't wait to catch up with you then. Please do message me, connect with me, come and find me on Mum Talk Podcast on Instagram or Emma Jolin on Instagram. And also feel free to send me a message at mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Catch you next week. Mum Talk Series 5 is supported by Bugaboo, a world of innovative products that give every parent the confidence and freedom for the journey ahead. So visit bugaboo.com forward slash mumtalk to learn more and choose the pram, pushchair, stroller, car seat or accessory to suit your lifestyle.